0: To the Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in. So I have a very, very serious, very spiritual question I want to begin with this morning, which is I know what I typically do. And so I want you to ask or discuss with the people around you, So be it your family or friends, if you want to slide down in the road and, and talk with somebody, I want you to take a moment to, dis- to discuss what is or what are your favorite breakfast foods, okay? So if you got one you're thinking of, you can have that one. But what is your favorite breakfast food or even breakfast drink. I'll give you a second to talk about it. Go for it. Okay, okay, all right. You you guys are getting carried away in here. Man, if you didn't eat breakfast, I'm sorry, that's kind of a torture question if you didn't eat and you're like starving right now. So uh, I'm not going to, for second time, I'm not going to ask you what your answer was. Um, but I'm glad you can kind of hold that in your heart dearly. You know, I don't know that I have a favorite, um, which, by the way, don't y'all love, hopefully I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, like if you work somewhere else, but don't you love a good United Burrito? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Um, anyway, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. So I think, you know, there's there are two kinds of people in this world. I don't want to draw lines too drastically here this morning. But you got people that really love waffles, and you got people. What is it uh, on strike in the morning? I'm making waffles. Sorry, but uh, you got people that love waffles, and you got people that love pancakes. Right? You know what I'm talking about? And they both have their pros and cons. Like I love on a good waffle, you get the crispy uh, lines. You know what I'm saying? But on a pancake, like I love a good cracker barrel pancake. Yeah. Yes, amen. You ever put? A, you ever tried putting peanut butter and banana on your on your pancakes? I'm chasing rabbits. Anyways, okay. So I remember in college, my favorite professor, one time he began class with uh, a devotional. Or he did that often, but this one particular time, he was starting class with a devotional. And he told us, he said, look, you need to be pancakes, don't be waffles, and we were like, are you on that stuff again? Like, what is going on? Like, what does that even mean? Don't be, don't be a waffle, be a pancake. And I don't remember the passage. I'm not, I guess I'm not that godly. But I do remember he talked about, with a waffle, <laughs> so it, listen, let me go ahead and say this. This is a really elementary idea, but it stuck with me for like, however many, 13 years or something. And so I, I thought I would share it with you. <laughs> he said, with a waffle, you go to put your syrup on the waffle, and it, can, it stays in those little bitty squares, right? The little bitty compartments. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Richard likes waffles, apparently. <laughs> the most amens I've ever gotten in the venue. <laughs> um, with a pancake, the syrup goes everywhere, right? And we're still kind of like, what, what are you talking about? And he said, don't compartmentalize your faith. If you're like a waffle, (laughs) every time I say waffle, I think it's track. i got to stop saying that. If you're like a waffle, again, your faith tends to stay in these little nice, little neat, or what we think they are, little squares. But again, if you're more like a pancake, your faith, your relationship with Christ impacts everything. And we're like, oh, I'm starting to get it. We do, we act like waffles a lot, don't we? where we have our nice little Sunday morning square. And if you're real spiritual, I'm, I'm kidding, but if you're real spiritual, you have your Tuesday night square or your Wednesday night square, right? Like we have these squares. We shouldn't compartmentalize. That's why, don't make fun of me, um, but I kind of like, uh, I admit that, I said that intentionally, I kind of like Uh, the band Florida Georgia Line. By the way, Tony used to play drums with one of the lead singers. Crazy! Anyways, (laughs) it's a true story. I kind of like the band Florida Georgia Line. But you know, when I'm listening to them, I often laugh because they... (laughs) I shouldn't say this, I'm going to. They do what... Do you all know who John Acuff is? He's a Christian comedian. He got to start with uh, Dave Ramsey. But but John Acuff calls this booty god booty. So... (laughs) It's where you listen to a song, and they're talking about things they shouldn't be talking about, and they're like, but on Sunday morning, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, and then the very next line, they're talking about things they shouldn't be talking about again. You know what I'm talking about? And John Acuff says, when I hear a song like that, I go, they just went booty, God, booty, because it's like something inappropriate, maybe like what I'm saying right now, (laughs) but then, (laughs) then you talk about God, and then it's inappropriate again, and I think and even sometimes before the Georgia line, again, I have their music on my phone. I listen to them. They make me laugh. And I think it's super catchy often, even though it's like bro country. But I had way too much coffee. <sighs> Calm down. Okay. <sighs> All right. <laughs> but often what they do is they, they'll even say the day. Like Saturday night, I'm doing whatever. Sunday morning, I'm worshiping. And Monday morning, I'm cussing at work. They even, they even like say the days of the week. They they definitely compartmentalize. That's why I uh, I also like... I shouldn't say this either, probably, but I, I enjoy listening to Chance the Rapper's music. But the problem is, like, even you look at, the, at the, the album, and it's like, this song is explicit, and the very next song is about blessings coming down because I'm worshiping God. And that's kind of confusing, right? Because it's like, I'm going to choose sin, I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to choose sin. And I think one reason he's really popular, one, because he can write good music, or uh, the music sounds good, I'm not saying the lyrics are good, <laughs> But one reason he's popular is because that's our culture, right? We compartmentalize. I, sin, selfishness, oh, I'm going to worship God, and then, and then I go back to sin. That's one reason why, um, again, not advocating. I think it's real early. We shouldn't put him on a pedestal. But one thing that's kind of refreshing about the new uh, Kanye West album, Jesus is King, is he doesn't, he doesn't do that. The whole thing, I would say, honors God. And if, you, if you've, like, been hard on it, like, oh, that's a bunch of trash, I don't believe it, like, you should listen to it. It's actually pretty, I'm not saying you should listen to Chance the Rapper. You should listen to the Kanye album. Like, it's really, it's really solid. Um, it's kind of refreshing because his album is more like a pancake than a waffle. I think one way that we compartmentalize often is with, with work. So we, we have um, church, Bible study, But I think often when we go to work, there's a disconnect in our faith. We often see, we don't see them as um, intermingling at all. It's just kind of its own thing. And then on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever, I'll get back to worship. That's a problem, right? (laughs) As we've been going through Ephesians, you can turn to Ephesians, by the way, Ephesians chapter 6. As we've been going through Ephesians, uh, that's one thing Paul wants us to get, the whole idea of this, of this series, Walk This Way, is that because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, because of the fact that he came and, and lived a perfect life and died the death that I deserved, in spite of the fact that I was a God-hater, rebelled against him, was dead in my sin, because he, in spite of that, came to live and die and rise again, that should change the way that I live. It should, it should change not just my Sunday morning. It should change every day of my life. And so a relevant question that I think Paul's going to tackle this morning is how does be, or how should being a Christian change my work life? Or I would even say, if you're in school, I would even say, uh, and I'll show you how I'm making this or why I'm making this connection, I would even say your, your school life. How should the fact that you're a Christian change the way you approach your work or or the way that you approach your study. And so just so we're on the same page, should the fact that you're a Christian change those things? Yes, okay. So how should it change those things? I think it's a relevant question. Let's pray and then we're gonna dive into Ephesians 6. God, we're grateful for your word. And like we sang about earlier, God, we know that you, never change, but also your your word never changes. That even though it was written thousands of years ago, it still matters today. It's still relevant. And so God, I pray that as much as we may want to be distracted by things in our own life or things in the world, I pray that you would help us to focus on you this morning. I feel like I'm reminded of the fact that uh, you're a person and that To talk with you and to get to know you takes intentional time of not being distracted or multitasking, but just to meet with you. So I pray that we would kind of have the attitude this morning, me as well, that as we study your word, it would be a chance to connect with you, to to meet with you, and um, man, to get to know your heart, to be more like you, and to see how you want the gospel, how you want you to change our lives. If you would, with your head still bowed and eyes still closed, maybe just take a moment and ask God to, to speak to you this morning. And if you would also ask that he would speak through me this morning. God, we love you and we trust that you're going to work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, hey, if you would, we're going to read the text first and, and kind of we got some work to do here this morning. But jump in uh, in chapter 6, verse 5 of Ephesians with me. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters... Do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, that there is no partiality with him. All right, we have some hermeneutics to do this morning. You're like, what is hermeneutics? Some of y'all know, good for you. If you're not, it's okay. Hermeneutics is the science, the art of studying the Bible, so really, we do this all the time. But sometimes you read the Bible and the, the connection to our life is immediate. You see it. But sometimes in hermeneutics, studying the Bible, we have to build some bridges. So we have to see their context that it was written in to the Ephesians, right? And we, what are the principles, the bridge that brings and leads into our contact context or context? Just kidding. Context. You with me? You with me? So we got to first figure out what was their context. Context, context that they were in, their side of the bridge. So as you're reading this, maybe some questions rightfully so flare up because he talks about bondservants and masters. So first of all, I, I, I want to tell you what I think, then I'll kind of hopefully prove it to you. Um, this idea of bondservants in the text, doulos, doulos, is very incredibly different Than what was taking place in 19th century America. And I would even argue it's way different than what happens today. I hope, well, it's like sad that it exists, but hopefully you know this: that slavery is a real issue still. Man, I appreciate Kim Middleton, there she is back there. She helps lead the way in Lubbock fighting against um, modern-day slavery with the A21 movement. And so it's still a real thing. But I would argue that what is going on in the text is very different than. Uh, than what we experience today or what happened in the 19th century. That was completely wrong and awful. And, and We could get into more of how they were different, looking at the modern context, if you wanted to later. But let's look at their context, what was going on. So, when Paul wrote this to the Ephesians, um, first century Rome, and about one-third of the population in Rome would fit this category of a doulos, of a bond servant. One-third. So, the word "their dulos" it typically meant someone who was um, a servant in the Roman culture to someone else, and they would have, a, I hate to use the word contract, but in a sense they were under a servant contract for seven years. And when that seven years went up, was up, they would be set free. And not only that, they would be given a wage. So already do you see how that is way different than 19th century America, and also way different than slavery, like the sex slavery today? Do you see how that's different? You with me? Okay, so one-third, seven years, often a bond servant would be set free by the time that they were 30. They were often trained and given specialized skills to, to work their craft. Very, very different than what we are talking about today when we talk about slavery. So I also want to say this. Paul, really the Bible, never affirms or says that any kind of slavery is a good thing. But what the Bible does do is give God's people and really equip God's people to be able to live out their faith in whatever context they're in. Does that make sense? So the reality was that as, as the gospel was spreading in the New Testament and people were coming to Christ, so many of them were bond servants. They were a doulos. And so Paul's showing, hey, hey, if that's your space in life right now, here's how your Christian faith should impact you. Here's, here's how you should live out your faith in Christ, even as a bondservant. So again, if that's their context, and that was like a snapshot, we could give you more, but if that's their context, I really do think our context, the closest thing to it, I really do believe is your your work life, or even you could say, I think it's a little further of a stretch, but I think the principles still apply, or even your, your study life, your school life. And some of you are like, no, the stretch isn't that far. I do feel like a slave when I go to work, right? Um, or like when I'm in school, I do feel like my professor owns me. Um, I get that. <laughs> but I think, I think that's probably the right context for us, for us in this room of being uh, your work life or even, again, maybe even your school life. And so now the question is, we're going to read it again, what are the principles that transfers. So that was their context. We know our context. What are the principles that transfer? Y'all still with me? All right, let's go. Let's read it one more time. We're just going to read the first part, verses five through eight. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. I'm gonna say it right out the gate. You know what I think the principle is? As a Christian, you should be the best employee, or you could say best student that your boss or your professor or teacher could ask for. <laughs> Here's what I mean. When he says obey them, so do what you're told, carry out your task, do your responsibilities even for your student, do your homework with fear and trembling. Now that sounds intense and sounds weird, like, right? Like so uh, Zach is on uh, the nextgen team. So technically I never say this, but like technically I'm his boss. Ooh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is not saying that Zach should come in tomorrow to the office and be like, Brandon, I, I'm fear and trembling. I bow before you, right? Like, I would probably get slapped by a lot of people if, if he acted that way, um, including his wife. Um, no, that's not what it's saying. Let's read again, understanding scriptures about context. He, t- he explains this idea of with fear and trembling. You do what you're told with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. What's he saying? Why should I do what I'm told, obey my authorities, follow my leaders, do my, uh, the homework assigned for my teacher or professor? Why should I do it with fear and trembling? Because I should do it not as if I'm doing it for them, but to who? We say a little more, uh, to Who am I doing it for? Yeah, for, uh, for God, for Christ, for Jesus, right answer, yes. I'm doing it for him. Ah, that makes a little more sense, right? It's not because I'm scared of that person, which in Zach's case, it makes sense because I'm so large and masculine. I get that, just kidding. Um, it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm obeying and following their leadership just because they're scary. No, or not at all because they're scary. It's because I'm really, I, I approach my task, my job, with fear and trembling, with great respect, because I know that in my job or in my schoolwork, I'm actually serving Christ. (laughs) He's actually my master. He's actually my boss. What does that look like? Verse six, you don't do it by the way of eye service, as people pleasers. So this means it's not like, you're kicked back at your desk you're checking see if how the cowboys did where the rankings in the power rankings or checking on the latest keeping up with the kardashians whatever and then the boss comes by and you're like yep, I was just finishing this report <laughs> like no you don't just do the right thing when they walk by. Don't be a people pleaser. You're not just trying to provide eye service where if they see you, you're doing a good job then. No, you do it with a sincere heart all the time. Again, because he says halfway through verse six, because you're bondservants of Christ, so do the will of God from the heart. And he just keeps saying that idea over. He says, render your service with a good will as to the Lord. So I'm doing these things for the Lord. I want to be the best that I can because I'm actually serving Christ. Not just eye service for the boss that I can see. A lot of y'all, if, if you have kids or even if you don't have kids, like you, you can think of your cousin or your nephew or niece and often uh, when the kiddos are smaller they have monitors, right? Lauren and I are newbies and we got rid of our monitors when the kids started sleeping through the night and her boss was like you know those are helpful when they're toddlers and they get out of bed and stuff. And I'm like, Dad, gum it! But <laughs> guess we've got to buy some more. Anyways, what's funny about monitors is you can, you go, and again, even if you don't have kids, you've done this probably. You put the kids to bed or you tell them to do something in the room. And you, when you're in the room, they're like, yes, Dad, Dad, right? And they're like, they lay down. They're all, look, it looks like they're going to go to sleep and everything's good. But then you walk out of the room, you go to where the monitor is. It's not been 30 seconds and they're already out, right? They've, well, our kids aren't climbing out of the crib yet, but maybe they're climbing out of the crib, or maybe they're, like, they've got all the toys out. You just left but because they think, oh, mama, dada can't see me. I'll do whatever I want. But as soon as you go back in, they're like, we were just laying down to go to sleep, right? <laughs> He's saying, don't be like that with your work. With this idea of, as soon as my boss comes in, like, I'll do the right thing, but as soon as they leave, I'm just going to be half-hearted, be lazy take shortcuts. You know why that, that's foolish? Because the real, no, I'm not trying to scare us that like God is in heaven with this big baby monitor looking at all of us. But God really does always see. So even if your boss isn't there, your real boss sees. And even, like, again, kind of more scary, he doesn't just see that you're doing the task. He sees your heart. So if I'm just half bootying it, (laughs) if I'm just halfway doing something, not giving it my all, but technically I'm doing it, God knows (laughs) and God cares because he wants me to give it my all, to be all in, to do it with my whole heart. So what does this mean? Again, what does it look like in your life? Be the best boss, excuse me, be the best uh, employee, be the best student that you can be. I think often the problem is, again, with the compartmentalizing, is that we have this idea of the sacred and the secular, of, well, there's God things, and then there's, there's work things, and those are different. Did you know that in the Hebrew mindset, there was no separation? It, it was just, there was no separation of sacred and secular, like, it, no, it's, it's all sacred because God is always my master. He's always my boss. So here's the reality. If you or a realtor, you know what? Technically, you're not your own boss. Your boss is not some human person. God is your boss. Welcome to kingdom kingdom ministry, right? (laughs) If you are a plumber, you're not just a plumber. You're a plumber for the kingdom of God. If you are an accounting student at Texas Tech, you're not just in accounting. No, you're an accounting student representing Christ himself. If you're in marketing or... um, Sales, you're not just in marketing sales working for a company. No, you're working for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You want to represent Him well. If you have a landscaping business, you want to do that landscaping business for the glory of God. Amen? There's not this like, oh, Brandon's a pastor, he works for God. No, newsflash, we all work for God. (laughs) And if you're like, well, man, but my boss... Stinks like my earth, not not God, but my earthly boss is so lame. Zach said, "Amen." Hey, <laughs> that, that could be a reality, and, and maybe maybe you do need to switch jobs. Like that's fair, but here's an encouraging thing. Look look at what verse eight says. I think it's verse eight. Yes. So he says, verse seven, do it with a good will, ask to the Lord, not to man, and he kind of gives the why, knowing. Or you could say even, because you know that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a bondservant or is free. Man, this could be an encouragement to someone this morning. Some of you may feel like you are always passed over for the promotion at work and so like, why would I, why would I try hard? Or you feel like you've never gotten a raise, like no one even notices what I do. Or my boss never checks on me, so why... Why do I even have to worry about doing a good job? Be encouraged that your father, who is ultimately the boss, <laughs> sees and you will be rewarded. You may never feel like you're acknowledged in your work; you never get a thank you or an attaboy boy or ad a girl. But the reality is, God sees and God cares. <laughs> one of the best things you could do as a Christian—one of the uh, a different way to say it—one of the most mature things and godly things you can do as a Christian is work your tail off at work or at school. Don't make it a god, don't make it an idol, don't uh, neglect your family, but be the best employee, be the best student that your boss or your teacher, your professor could ask for. Now some of you, you're not just, you don't just have work. You're in a position where you have work, but part of your work is leading a team. It's, it's managing people. It's leading people. Or maybe even maybe you're the student. Maybe you're the professor. Listen what Paul says to you. And by the way, if you're like, well, that's not me, the reality is you could be in that position one day. All of us could. So we should all listen to this. Verse 9. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, <laughs> knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And that there is no partiality with him. He's a little more stern with those in positions of authority, isn't he? <laughs> a little more of a stern warning there. I think it's the same idea, but just flip-flop. If you're a boss of some sort, a manager, a leader, you need to, or even a teacher, professor, you need to be the best at that that an employee or a student could ask for. You need to give it your all. Be the best that you can be. When he says, masters, do the same to them, he doesn't mean obey. So like now, like, again, we'll just, I'll keep picking on Zach. It doesn't mean that now Zach comes into my office tomorrow and he starts ordering me around. And I'm like, well, Paul said I have to do the same to them. No, it doesn't mean that. The idea is that do the same to them. So just as the bond servants were to serve as though they were serving Christ, so masters, in our, in our context, bosses, managers, leaders, professors, teachers, they should carry out their service. They should exercise their authority, realizing that they're actually doing it for who? For God. That's right. Because he says, I love what he says, because it's straight up, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. So he's saying, hey, bro, you may think you're the boss. You ain't the boss. (laughs) Like, you're not, you may think you're the head of the company, but there's actually someone still over you. No matter how high in authority you think you are, there's still a higher authority. Amen? And his name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love what, what Pastor David would tell you. He would say, yeah, I'm the senior pastor here, but we actually have, uh, we actually have a senior senior pastor. His name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's the boss. That's why he says, so, so don't threaten them. Don't, don't be a jerk. It doesn't mean there's not accountability. It doesn't mean there's not consequences at work when an employee doesn't do their job or when a student doesn't turn in the assignment. There's still accountability. But he's saying, don't be a jerk. Don't always be threatening them. Because he says, remember, you have a boss as well who is gracious and caring. He says, there's no partiality with him. I love this idea. So the reality is, the world we live in, when, as a boss, manager, whatever, there are certain perks. It could seem like you get special treatment. Often you probably do get special treatment. But he's saying when you get to heaven, you're going to realize that God doesn't see, oh, wow, you were a CEO. Oh, you're one of my favorites. You're one of the good people. He doesn't show partiality. So God doesn't see, wow, you're the boss. You're the manager. Oh, you're the, you're the young Padawan who's little on the totem pole. He just sees his children. <laughs> he doesn't show partiality. So he's saying you shouldn't show partiality to the people that you lead or manage or teach. But beyond that, you again, you shouldn't be threatening them. You should serve them as though you're serving Christ, knowing that God's not gonna play favorites with you either. Lead, manage, teach as though you're actually performing that service, exercising your authority for Christ. It makes me think about... uh, Sometimes I don't get to see my, my siblings and their uh, my, my sisters and their families very often because they live in Arkansas and Tennessee and we're out here in Texas and my parents live in Florida. But often we're home at Christmas, Lord willing, we normally get to all be there at the same time. And my nephews who are like, I guess now, gosh, 13 and 11, I want to say, um, want to play basketball and football, which is always an awesome time. And uh, I, I love getting to go out. And as they've grown up, I feel like the more you know how this is. You don't have to hold back as much, right? Um, but what's funny is, which there's coming a time where they're just going to destroy me and everything, because of, you'll see why in a second. So we can go out. Like this past time, we went to the high school uh, courts that are out in the, the back lawn of our old high school, and we're playing basketball, um, and we have a good time. But it would be foolish for me while we're playing basketball, which, again, if you know me, I'm not very good at basketball. But it would be foolish for me to, like, Throw my weight around against this 11 year old and talk all this smack because what typically happens is one of those days that we're out there playing basketball, their dad, my brother in law, will come out and join us. And what you need to know about Chris Chris is about 6'6, 250 solid muscle. So he's a little bigger than me. Like it's, it's close. <laughs> I don't understand what's funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember that when I was going to meet him for the first time, I knew him and my sister, her name is Lauren as well. Uh, I was going to meet him for the first time, and I was kind of like, prepping myself. I'm going to tell him, give him the the brother talk, let him know what's up. And I met him and I was like, nice to meet you, sir. (laughs) I didn't say anything. But it would be foolish for me to be a jerk to my nephews and tossing my weight around because ultimately a, like follow me here, a quote, higher authority is going to come out there and he could squash me, like literally, right? I mean, even when he's not trying to check me and like post me up, I just fall to the ground when I get close to him, right? Uh, Because uh, we don't match up. I think in a similar way, He's saying he would, don't be a fool. Don't, as a boss, just because you're the boss, throw your weight around on the people who are under your leadership. Because the reality is, you have a boss as well. And if he has to, he'll be happy to throw his weight around with you. Are you tracking with me? I feel like i like, kind of lost the metaphor there. But he's saying, you're gonna answer to a higher authority too. So treat your employees, treat your students, treat your team with respect. (laughs) Lead them, serve them, realizing it's not just for your company, it's not just for you. You're doing this for the king of kings. So You want to be the best leader that you can be. A boss who just threatens and yells is not a leader, they're just a dictator. (laughs) God's not impressed with dictators. You want to be like Christ, you serve your team. You even Put your, the needs of your team before your own to help them grow and to be better. It says, do it for Christ. Lead well for Him. And I think as, if you own your company, or you're high up in your company, I think it's easy to, or even if you're kind of your own, your own person, I really do think there's a temptation for you to get lost in it feeling like it's your, there's not much at stake. Like, well, it's just my company. It's just my deal. I want to lean into leaders and bosses and managers and professors and teachers right here real quick. you may be the person best equipped to show, to show and share the gospel with the people that you lead. How cool would it be for the kingdom of God, for the, for the kingdom work, for people under your management, people under your care or even your students to say man I know that that person, my boss, my teacher, whoever, is a Christian, and they're the best boss that I've ever had. (laughs) I'm going to get them a world's best boss mug. (laughs) It's not an office reference. (laughs) Or for your students to look at you as a professor and say, man, I know they're a Christian. There's something different about them. They're they're the best, most caring, helpful professor I've ever had. And they know their stuff, man. They're sharp. They're the best I've ever had. Do you see how that would be good for the kingdom? I think when he's talking here to to employees, students, but also to leaders and bosses, I think if I could sum all of this up into one idea, it's that give it your all because it's all for him. (laughs) Give it your all. Be wholehearted. Be all in in all that you do because you're not just serving man. You're serving Christ no matter what your situation is. So give it your all. Be the best at whatever it is that you are. And I'll finish with this. Something really cool is going to happen when we start doing that. See, I think the world is hungry to see Christians who are real, to see Christians who are more like pancakes than waffles. If you came in late, don't, you don't get that. Don't worry about it. But to see people, Christians who don't compartmentalize their faith, but let the love of Jesus impact everything. And when they see that, they're gonna ask questions because they're gonna see there's something real and different about you. Today is my friend uh, Jack Louder's birthday, I believe. Is that true, Jack? We're not gonna sing happy birthday, maybe later, but um, it's Jack's birthday. He's the executive pastor of business administration and awesomeness and CrossFit here at the church. Um, but he, Jack does do CrossFit, and uh, I asked him if, he could, if I could ask this so I'm not embarrassing him, maybe a little bit, but anyways, Jack has lost like 50 something pounds. Um, and not just that, I'll brag on my friend, he's like not just gotten thinner, he's like, he's kind of swole up, you know what I'm saying? He could, he could hurt somebody, probably not me, just kidding. <laughs> uh, anyways, and here's what's cool. If you, if you knew Jack before, when you see Jack now, you can look at him and there's no argument about something is different, right? So when Jack talks about CrossFit, which is number one rule of CrossFit, apparently you're supposed to talk about CrossFit, right? But if, when he starts talking about CrossFit, None of the the staff here, none of us are like, oh, come on, bro, that's not it. What's really the secret? We're like, or or, or also none of us go, man, CrossFit, like that that doesn't affect anybody. When I look at Jack, I'm like, something about CrossFit works. Does that make sense? And it's, it's undeniable. I think in a similar way, when you start living out your faith in your place of work, in your marketplace, or even in your school, when you start living out your faith and you're the best that you can be at whatever you are, it's undeniable. And people are going to start going, hey, I know you're a Christian and I don't always, I don't get everything about that and I don't know if I even believe everything, but I can't deny that there's something good and different about you because you're a Christian. Man, we want to live out our lives in a way that people look at us and say, Man, you're the best teacher. You're the best plumber. You're the best engineer I've ever known. And I think it's because you're a Christian and it doesn't make sense to me. But they're going to start asking questions when we do that. All of this section of Ephesians is about how the gospel should change the way we walk, even at work. Give it your all because it's all for him. Here's how I want us to, to close this morning as our, as our worship team comes on up. I think it would be cool um, to even before we sing, to, to pray in two different ways. So, one, if you are an employee, you, you work, or maybe even you're a student, um, I want to encourage you to take a moment right now to pray for your manager, your leader, your boss, pray for your teacher, your professor, whoever it is, and pray that God would would bless them. You probably know, uh, you hopefully know their life better than I do. So pray that God will work in their life, but also pray that you would be the best at whatever you are so that the kingdom would advance in your workplace. Does that make sense? Now, if you are a boss, you're a manager, you're a leader, you own the company, you're a teacher, professor, I want you to pray for the people that you lead and I also want you to pray that you would be the best boss, manager, leader, owner, teacher, whatever it is, that you would be the best you can be so you can advance the kingdom with the people that you lead. Does that make sense? So I want you to pray for them. And listen, if you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to pray and just say, God, I would like to get to know you. And maybe this morning, like even though we didn't really talk about salvation, so to speak, this morning, maybe God is knocking on your heart's door of to have a relationship with him. It goes back to what I mentioned earlier about the gospel. If you want to become a Christian, it's simply, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's it's admitting, man, I'm a sinner. I'm a broken person. I'm messed up. But I see that Jesus lived the perfect life that I should have lived. He died the death that I should have died. And I want to place my faith and trust in him. I want to repent for my sins and turn to follow him. And if you're not a Christian this morning, I want to invite you to make that your prayer this morning. And I'll be back in the back here afterwards. I'd love to talk with you about what it means to follow Christ and to be a Christian. But the majority of us probably either need to pray for our bosses, our leaders, or we need to pray for those that we lead and pray that we would give it our all because it's all for Him and we want them to see the gospel. you will take a moment to pray and then we're gonna sing. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of The Venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to The Venue Podcast.